back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Schaffer, along with... Artemis Broward. We're coming to you this week with episode 44 of the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. 44. Wow. That's uh, Vontae Leach's number, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Look at, look at you, Artie. Yeah, yeah, I pay attention. Look at you, wow, okay. This, this is the Leach episode. Just, uh... Yeah, I'll leave it there. I was gonna make, a, <laughs> I was gonna make a, I was gonna make a leech joke, but uh, not not at the expense of ECU great Vontae Leach. Yeah. Um, but Artie, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm doing real good. I can't complain. Uh, it's been a good weekend. It's a good week at a uh, good week at work. Sadly, we got to go back to work tomorrow morning, but we're not thinking about that right now. I'm enjoying my Sunday, so I'm good though, brother. How you doing? I'm doing good, especially after I. Uh, Whipped your ass up and down the golf course yesterday. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I'm feeling pretty I'm, good, man. I'm gonna be honest, Jared. That was probably the best round of golf I have ever seen you play. Man, that's I, not, I, I, that's I have never the, seen you play a better round of golf. I, I I'm not played, saying you haven't played a better round of golf. I just haven't seen it. I, I played out of my mind yesterday. I mean, that was yeah. yeah I, I mean, you were putting stuff on the green that you shouldn't have been putting on the green. You was having 250 I, yard drives. Like you were playing absurd. I mean, I, I didn't miss a drive all day. You really didn't. I'll I, give you I, that. You did not miss a drive and, all day. And usually that, that is like the, the worst part of my game is my drive. If, if you could actually putt, you would have birdied nine holes. Man, I, I can putt. Just, <laughs> you would have birdied nine holes if you could actually putt. I, I, I hit the green, and I'm 30 feet out, for, and I have a birdie putt for 30, from 30 feet. And then I three putt for, for say, all, all you had to do was two putt because you put it within five feet and then you'd miss a five five foot layup. Yeah, yeah, the, those greens were rough yesterday, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was a great day. I'm playing a lot of golf right now. Um, some something I like to do. Um, we we can talk about my golf anytime. Anybody wants to challenge us <laughs> to play, uh, we're not guaranteeing that we're going to beat you, but we will play. We if, will if play you, absolutely. If you want to say, hey guys, come out and play. Let's do some content. We'll come out. We'll play. Uh, all you got to do is DM us or just, you know what? Just shout us out on, on Twitter, on Instagram. Call us out. We'll, uh, we'll make it happen. Maybe do some kind of scramble type thing. Uh, we, we, wanna, we don't play ECU, uh, ECU fans. But, Artie, we talked about one ECU great already on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about uh, another one, the, the guy we're going to have on the podcast today. Okay? One so, of uh... – oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, so like, I mean, this guy is one of the all-time just goats for ECU, right? I mean, mm-hmm. think about it. he—he's probably got the biggest win, bowl win in ECU history at quarterback. He played 14 years in the NFL, right? I mean, dude's ECU Hall of Famer. Hell, I mean, had a hell of a career, Pro Bowler. I mean. Honestly, one of one of the most well-known ECU players from of all time from the from the league, mm-hmm. Mr. Jeff Blake is on the podcast today. What did you think of that conversation? Uh, I, I I thought it was interesting. I thought it was great. I thought he was great. He he looked great too. He he didn't he, you know he was killing it with the with the salt and pepper beard um, <laughs> down there down there in uh, Florida. I don't know what what part of Florida did he say Sarasota or. I, I think that's closer to Orlando, where where IMG the, is. Yeah, wherever the IMG Academy was. But he, you know, he looked like he was loving life and and you know loving loving what he's doing right now as the quarterback coach at uh, IMG Academy. So um, great interview. Can't wait for you guys to listen to that interview. Um, just talking to one of the all-time legends 
at East Carolina. So that's, you know, any, anytime you get to talk to somebody like Jeff Blake, um, it's, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, it, it always is. Um, I mean, it, those are the interviews that when we talk to somebody from ECU and has kind of aura around them and kind of carries himself differently because he is different. He's just built different mm-hmm. um, than, than a lot of the guys that come through and or a lot of the people we get to talk to. Those are the ones that I get fired up for. Yeah, these interviews like I get fired up for all this interviews. But is, this like, is why we started the podcast to have this, these kind of interviews. This is the type of interview that I like to do, and that I, I'm like I'm I'm get I kind of get nervous before, and I'm like, you, and you might hear it. I, I might stumble over my words a little bit more because, right. but that that's us. We're fans. I mean, you and I are fans. We're not we're not trained media professionals, mm-hmm. even though I mean we have a bomb ass podcast going on and with the premier uh, look, podcast we, of pirate nation you're not giving us an, uh, enough credit we still know what we're doing we're, we're, uh, we're still pretty good at what we do it's called humility already <laughs> um, so but yeah ha- having jeff blake somebody of his caliber on this is like one of the first like true ecu legends that we've had on right i mean we're talking about a, a mount rushmore kind of kind of player so so yeah i mean to have to have a man of his caliber on the show this week uh it's it's a real pleasure and we know that uh we know that y'all are gonna like it um just forewarning there is a little bit of a uh, of wind in the background Mm -hmm. of of the interview so we're we're gonna try to edit it out as much as we can but i can't make any promises but i i think that no matter what you can still hear what he's saying and, and it's a good conversation about his time at ecu the 1992 uh peach bowl and his time in the NFL. Um, also, we we talk a little bit about uh about um, having a having a chill out session at uh at Sup Dog. So we'll we'll talk yeah. about that later on. So yeah, stay tuned for that interview. It was an awesome interview. Um, make sure that that you um, listen to it and and let us know what you think. Okay, um, but Artie, I can let you know what I think right now about. ECU basketball. Ugh. They're certified garbage right now, or it Ugh. smells like it. Ugh. That's that's all I got to say about it. Ugh. It's it's looking pretty bad. It's, it's it's looking pretty bleak. Now you know I, I understand that you know we've got some young guys on the team, and I understand that you know obviously circumstances. We we've talked about the circumstances in the COVID situation. You know I, we're not going to beat a dead horse on this, um, but there comes a time where people got to step up. Even young guys got to step up. You know. You've got five on five. You play D1 basketball. Um, you know, I, I understand that, you know, Coach Dooley has been out, you know, with, with COVID. Um, but at the end of the day, we are talented. We are good enough to go out there and compete and win. Um, and so, you know, guys just got to step up. We're, we're going through a rough spot. And we've lost five straight after starting seven and one. We're now sitting at seven and six. Um, but it's no excuse. Guys got to step up. We got to find a way to win. Um, somebody in that locker room, like I said, the last few weeks is going to have to be not only a vocal leader, but it's just going to have to go over. Somebody's just going to have to take over the game. Somebody is just going to have to take over the game and say enough is enough. We got to get back in the, in, in the win column so we can get some confidence. Yeah, and I, I think I, – I don't know. They, the last two games, they were down big against UCF, a team that has a pretty good win on the season already. They beat Florida State earlier in mm-hmm. the year. They're not a right. slouch team by any means. At all, no. Um, they, I mean, they – we had them on the ropes there in the last few minutes, in the last five minutes of the game until they pulled away and beat us by, I think, eight or nine. 
Same thing with Tulsa. We played them close all all game yesterday. Yesterday being Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then they pull away and beat us by, I think it was 11. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's being able to close out these games and get back in the groove. We've said this over and over again over the past three weeks. I'm tired of saying it. I almost didn't even put it on the notes this week because I'm, I'm tired of talking about it. But they they got to find some kind of groove. Yeah, and that's just that's just the facts of the of, of the matter. They've they've got to be able to find some sort of groove. They got to get out this slump. Um, you know, after starting seven and one, you know, we knew that there was going to be some hurdles to jump. We knew that COVID was going to get in the way. We knew we weren't going to go. You know, twenty and two or twenty and four or whatever it was. We knew we were going to have some some tough games and and, and some in conference losses. But this is starting to get it's starting to become a problem, right? And we don't want to get into a situation where we start at seven to one and then we're sitting at nine and seven or no, we're sitting at uh, seven and nine or seven and 10. So, you know, somebody's got to step up. Maybe a few guys got to step up. Obviously you've got to get coach Dooley back. Um, his well, he, influence he, and his back. impact. He's is, back. He, he was there yesterday. Okay. So it, it, it's, it's got to start now. It's, it's got to start now. We've got to be able to turn this thing around um, to be able to play respectable and, and to play confident again. And that, that's really what it is. I agree, and I think a lot of the games that they've lost have been winnable games. They just haven't had the haven't had the personnel to do it. They haven't had the personnel mm-hmm. to pull it off. It it's had to have been these bench players trying to play the game of their lives to pull off an upset. When really these games should be much closer than than what they have been, and we saw that yesterday. I mean, this was a winnable game, mm-hmm. and ECU just couldn't pull it out, but they were able to keep it close enough. And I've, and I've seen some of these games, you know, I've, I've seen maybe two or three of the last five. Um, a lot of it's just been sloppy play. I mean, a lot of it's just getting back to the fundamentals of basketball. I mean, we've been turning the ball over too much. Well, when we've you been missing open shots. And, and, and I get it. I understand what's going when, on. I, when you, I really when you do, don't but, practice, when you don't practice. Right, right. That's what happens. And but you, it's, it's, you can't practice. And that, that's, not, that's not an excuse. That's just fact of the matter. Yeah, it, the facts are the facts. We just we just got to get out of that, you know, just get back to fundamentals a little bit. Now that we have everybody back, now that we can actually practice, now that we can actually do what we need to do, let's get rid of this sloppy play and let's just get back to playing legit good basketball. I I agree. And ECU, they, uh, they have a challenge on their hands this Wednesday when they host uh, number eight in the country, Houston. The Cougars come to town. Man, that's going to be – that's going to be a tough matchup. Now, if you now if ECU were to somehow pull off the upset against number eight Houston, these last five losses, I, I wash my hands of them. I'm good. Let's get the ball rolling. Absolutely. And and for me personally, can we can we lose by less than ten points? If if we can lose by single digits, I'll be happy with that. I, I'm not expecting us to beat Houston. Houston is the number eight team in the country, as they should be. That's a legit basketball team that you know could make it to the sweet 16 or the elite eight. So actually already, I was wrong when I, when I looked up their ranking, they're the number six team in the country. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> even worse for us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not expecting us to win this game by any stretch of the imagination, by any stretch of the imagination, but I am expecting us to compete. And if we can lose this game by single digits, I, I honestly will be happy because that's showing, okay, we can actually compete against a team that has aspirations to go to the final four. So now if you, the line's not out on the game, if you had to put a line on this game, what would you put it as you get to play Vegas right now? 
I'd say Houston probably plus 15. Plus 15? Uh, yeah. Hey, I, I, I think that's a fair line. I, I think that's a fair line. I would maybe put it – I would probably put them a little bit higher than that. Probably, um, yeah. It, it's probably going to be like plus 22, if we're being honest. But, I, I mean, and then over under of about – I would say probably over under of 120. Yeah. Maybe, maybe closer to 130. I, I mean, the way ECU's been shooting, I can't imagine them putting up many points mm-hmm. against that Houston defense. And, I mean, Houston puts up a lot of points. They're averaging 75 points per game and only giving up 56 points per game. So, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those it, things. It, it could be a blowout. This, this could absolutely be a, a bad game to watch for ECU fans. But I, I really hope – I really want Joe Dooley's team to show us what they were showing us earlier in the in the year and and really control the pace of the game. If they can do that, I think the game will be much closer like you said it would be or like you said it could be or could what be. you would what you would want to see, right? right. I want to see them keep it close and keep it within 10 points. If we lose by 9, okay. Let's let's beat the spread on on this game. Okay, mm-hmm. let's let's take it one game at a time. Hey, I'm here for it. If EC wants to pull off the upset, I'm here for it. Artie? What's that? The upset? Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. But it, it's going to take us playing the game of our lives. The game of their lives. And it can happen. But uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, the goal is to compete. Just compete. Now, you want to talk about somebody that's competing, Artie. Let's talk about this senior bowl. Deontay Smith, man. Have you been keeping yeah. up with what he's been doing at the senior I, bowl? I have been. He's, he's showing out and he's impressing. Yeah, Deontay Smith has really seen his uh, draft stock increase over the past uh, week at the Senior Bowl. I mean, this guy, I, I've seen so many tweets about him and how he, he's the off, one of the offensive linemen to watch in the draft right now mm-hmm. because a lot of people had him slotted in the sixth round somewhere. I think he could go as high as the fourth round, maybe even sniff the third round yeah. and, and really make some noise on that second day of the draft. That that is impressive. That that's what ECU needs. ECU needs one of these offensive linemen to pop off in the draft to really start seeing some some big offensive linemen decide to come to ECU and, and exactly. Play. They can they 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 see that okay, this guy Deontay Smith is able to go to the NFL and succeed and do very very well. Maybe maybe I can go to ECU and succeed. Maybe I can go to ECU and thrive. Um, which it's no shock to ECU fans how well Deontay Smith is performing. He's been the best offensive lineman we've had in years, um, and it's not even close. So, you know, he's going to win a bunch of awards in the conference. He's, he's going to get recognized nationally. Um, so, you know, kudos to, to Deontay Smith. Hopefully he does go somewhere mid-third round or early fourth round. Um, but I think somebody's going to be getting a steal in, in Deontay Smith, someone who, I, who is probably going to be very eager to learn, very eager to get better, um, eager to work, because he knows where he comes from, and he knows he's going to have to work hard. Um, not a lot of people are going to be expecting him to do a lot, even though he is raising his draft stock. He's a, he's a guy coming out of East Carolina. So people are not going to be expecting him to be a stud or be a star. So I'm, I'm fully expecting him to work hard and work his butt off. And I, and I think whoever gets him, they're going to be getting a very, very good offensive lineman in Deontay Smith. Now, Artie, he, I want to go through over some of his measurables um, from, from the senior bowl this week. So he weighed in at six foot five, 294 pounds. That's 20 pounds heavier than ECU had him uh, in, in their media guide earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And that's over an inch taller than what they had also. 
So, I mean, he's grown a little bit in this year. Also, he's in that elite category of having an 85-inch wingspan. 85 inches. Think about it. That's a big man. That's a, that's a big mess of hoss. And he's got 35-inch arms. That's, to me, that's insane. But, I mean, look, it's, it's a National Football League. And if he's going to survive in the National Football League, he's got to be a big boy. You know, or else he's going to get pushed around by the likes of, uh, you know, and Dominic and Sue and Aaron Donald and those boys. So, you know, you got to you got to you got to be big. And I'm happy that he's grown into his size a little bit. And the NFL is going to get him prepared. You know, he's, he's going to bulk up. He's going to get muscular. Um, he's going to get a little bit more agile, a little bit faster. So he's going to he's going to get prepared. But, you know, six, five, two, you said two ninety four. Yes, six foot five, two ninety four. He, he was he weighed in at two seventy four by ECU. Or he's listed at 274 on com, and 6'4", so that, that's an inch and 20 and, pounds. And to be honest, he'll probably cap out around 310, 315 when it's all said and done. He'll probably put on about 20 pounds of muscle. Well, once he gets in the, the strength and conditioning programs that they have yeah. in the NFL, yeah, yeah he's, he's going to put on some weight. Yeah, they're going to get and, that boy big. And he, he's going he's gonna to be a mean guy up front, and some team is going to be lucky to have him locked up for a, for a while in the NFL and man, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset if, if my Falcons decide to pick him up. That That's what we need. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my bears could use a good left tackle too. So, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm definitely rooting for the kid. And I think he, I think he's going to do phenomenal. To be honest with you. I think it's going to be a good talent. Yeah, I agree. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and throw it to the interview with Jeff Blake. We, we just talked about one guy that uh, might get drafted by the, in the NFL. Um, let's talk about another guy that got drafted by the Jets in the sixth round um, from ECU. I mean, had a great career, played quarterback, had a, had some good offensive linemen protecting him back in the day. But um, let's talk, let's talk about Jeff Blake and, and let's talk to him now. Okay. Let's so we hope you enjoy this interview with Jeff Blake. Um, so yeah, here it is. So this week's guest, he, uh, he spent 14 years in the NFL with the Bengals, Ravens, Saints, Jets, and Bears. He went to the Pro Bowl in 1995. In college, he finished sixth in the Heisman voting in 1991. He also capped off his legendary collegiate career for the Pirates in 1992 by leading them to a victory in the Peach Bowl. He was inducted into the ECU Hall of Fame in 2007. Our guest is Mr. Jeff Blake. How's it going, Jeff? Hey, fellas. How's it going? Doing pretty good, good. We're... We're doing pretty good, especially being able to talk to an ECU great like you. Um, Absolutely. So, Jeff, I just kind of want to jump right into it and talk okay. to you. Talk to you about. Um, so, so you're from you're from Florida, right? And yes, sir. Um, how how was that recruitment process? It was a little bit different in the in the '80s and '90s. What was that recruitment process like for you to eventually end up at ECU? Well, uh, sorry for all the wind, fellas, on my side. It's all good. The process was a lot different than it is today. There's no social media back then. There was no, you know, no, no football camp. You could go and get looked at. There was no, you know, so everything you did was based on what you did on Friday night. And old school coaches would come by and maybe get a whiff of, of a kid that was playing well or a team that was playing well. And they would just show up. 
to the game and, and watch play. And uh, uh, that's basically what happened. Uh, Ken Maytosh was our receiver coach at the time. And uh, he was down in the Central Florida area scouting talent and happened to come by one night and see me play. And I'm not even sure if I was the main person he was coming to see. Mm. And uh, and uh, decided to um, rec start recruiting me at that point. Kept in contact with me. And um, as time went by, he offered me a scholarship. That, that's awesome to hear. Now, you you came into ECU and there was a there was a coaching change going on right before you came in, correct? Yeah. So so how was that coming into the kind of that situation? Um, did did that play a part in in your role at ECU? Oh, not really. Um, when I got to Art Baker there and head coach wise, you know, um, I only had two head coaches, but it wasn't the fact that the head coach changed the fact that my office coordinator changed every year. So uh, when I got there, Kevin Gilbride was my office coordinator. Then my sophomore year, Mark Rick was my office coordinator. And then I was blessed to have Coach Logan my last two years. So you know how difficult it is for a quarterback or an offense to be successful when you're constantly getting new types of offenses every year. Mm -hmm. You know, so we go from a Wing T, veer option, trap option team to a straight eye formation team to a West Coast style offense team within three years. Wow. So, um, a lot of people don't realize that. They just see us play. They don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. But, when, you know, it's very difficult for an offensive unit to be cohesive if you're constantly changing your coordinators and style of offense that you play. But the one time we did have offense, coordinator for more than two years we were successful. Got you. Now, Jeff, specifically talking about that 92 season and that Peach Bowl season, what were the events that kind of led to that incredible season that ended up being the best season in ECU football history? Well, I just think as a unit, we took uh, control of our team as a unit. We did allow uh, outside forces to dictate if we were going to be successful or not. Uh, internal, internal forces as well. So, in other words, if we were running or we were training and somebody was complaining and it was working too hard, then, you know, they got to go. <laughs> we don't want to hear, you know, or shut your mouth and let's work. And so, uh, I think that was one of the beginning stages of us turning our, 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 our program around was the fact that we uh, outworked everybody, you know. And, and it showed on Saturdays that we were just more conditioned, more determined and more well prepared uh, uh, with our game plan than the teams that we were playing against, which gave us the confidence to go out and win. Got you, got you. Now, now, uh, with that being said, uh, do you do you ever think back on on uh, those times around campus? Like, what what was that time like being an an ECU student athlete on campus? Um, going from having those kind of down years to then being, I mean, honestly, one of the top teams in the nation. Well, it was great. It was fun. Uh, everybody was excited. Everybody real hot. And we just were riding the train, man. We had a good time, but we didn't want to go back to the other way, so we kept winning. So we liked the way that felt 
We liked the way everybody was responding to it, so we just kept going. It, it just it just fed the, it just fed the engine, you know. Right, right. Now, out, outside of that Peach Bowl season and that Peach Bowl victory, what would you say is your fondest ECU memory outside of that Peach Bowl season? Uh, watching the Corso eat crow at our banquet. <laughs> can, can you talk we a little bit about that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody knows about this story. We actually served him a stuffed crow because he said we were not <laughs> going to beat Virginia Tech in Virginia and, and, Blacks, and Blacksburg. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's a story I think very few people know. I think I think Coach actually one of the coaches made a bet with him, and we were to beat him. He had to come speak at our bank banquet, and he 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 okayed the bet, and he showed up at the banquet. Wow! Wow! wow. That's awesome. Uh, that yeah, I've never even heard of that story. Like, yeah, I've at, heard at, a lot oh. of like these these interesting stories. I, that, I didn't, that might I be a uh, Boneyard Podcast exclusive right there. <laughs> so. You, 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 we talk about the experiences that you had at ECU. Of course, I mean, the, the Peach Bowl victory, I mean, coming back from being down 17 points in the fourth quarter, what was the message on the sideline during that time when you were when ECU was down 17 points? What, what was kind of the mindset and the, and the um, chatter that was going on? Well, we just, you know, as long as it was time on the clock, we were just going to keep playing. And Coach Logan, you know, and Coach Lewis, like, hey, don't worry about the clock. Just keep playing. Just keep playing. Just keep playing. Don't worry about the clock. Just keep playing. So we never looked at the clock. Just kept playing. And then he said, let's see what look, let's see what the clock looked like when, the, when it's all zero. And so we just kept playing. We never worried about the clock. We never worried about the score. We just running the offense. We just trying to score as much as we could. Got you. Now, Jeff, on, on this show, um, you know, we, we did a Mount Rushmore of ECU football, and we would be remiss if we didn't ask one of the great quarterbacks in ECU history about your Mount Rushmore of football. So if you had to pick four guys who are the greatest four football players to ever come through ECU, who would you say they were? That's a tough question. Ernest Biner. Um... And I'm not going to include myself in this. So <laughs> my four, other than myself, would be Ernest Byron or Robert Jones, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Johnson, and uh, I don't know who the fourth one would be. I mean, you got a lot of good guys that came through East Carolina. But uh, I said guys who made an impact. You know, of course, Robert Jones and Chris, because they were first-round draft picks. Got mm-hmm. to get that, you know? Yeah. Uh, Ernest Byner was uh, had achieved a lot in the NFL as you know um, a name. So uh, that fourth one, I would probably have to say um, David Garrard. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. That, that I mean, that's a good one. Ern- Ernest Byner is a is a is a new one on the list too. I haven't heard that name yet. No, I I I had Ernest Byner on my list. I'm pretty sure. Go, re- he, he wasn't in the rewind, top four though. Re- rewind the tapes, are you? <laughs> well, if you if you if you go outside of East Carolina and you say a bunch of names, his name gonna pop up. I promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's how I came up with my conclusion. Hey, that, that that's a that's a good c- conclusion, and 
you were actually uh we we had you included on uh we we did a mount rushmore of guests that we wanted to have on the podcast here recently and you were included on that one so um we're, we're getting to have you maybe we can get some of those other guys you might have to help us get some of them we've we've been tracking them down for a while now yeah um but looking <laughs> <laughs> looking back at it so already asked you your favorite memory outside of the peach bowl season we had a we had a listener write in and wanted to ask what's your favorite memory from that memorable season the 1992 peach bowl season You there? Uh, man, it's amazing that we accomplished that. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, we can hear you. Can you can hear us? But we accomplished that season. And uh, man, it, it seemed like it was a blur at times. Because mm. it seemed like it happened so fast, but it didn't. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that I, I take back is the, is the fun we had doing what we did. It was fun. And I think a lot of people miss that about football. It's still a game. You're still supposed to have fun. And I think some people take it so serious that they take the fun out of it. Right. And when you take the fun out of it, you can't win. I mean, if you watch Kansas City play, they having fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They innovative. They just... They just, okay, what are we going to do this week to mess people's minds up? Oh, we're going to run this motion. Oh, we're going to do this. So they doing whatever they can to mess people's minds up, and they just having fun with it, and they win. There's no, you know, no making it hard, no making it, you know. They just make make it simple, and they just go out and play football. Mm-hmm. So. Now, now, Jeff, I don't know if you've kept up with uh, the current state of, of ECU football, um, but if you had to, to, to go back a few – yeah, 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 we are. Uh, but if, if you if you had to give in some games, we lost pretty bad. I yeah, some of them, I had to turn them off. And that's it's been like that for the last three or four seasons now. To be honest with you, um, but if you had to give some advice to this current team under under Coach Houston, what would it be? Recruit, start back recruiting out of the southeast. Okay. Yeah, and when I got to East Carolina, half our team was Florida. Yeah. Uh, I, and half, I, our team was from, half our team was from Florida, Georgia, and we got a lot of some of them Virginia guys out of that Norfolk area where they mm-hmm. put out a lot of talent. We had a couple of those guys, too. And then we had a team full of JUCOs, so guys that were at University of Florida, guys were at big D1 schools that came to our school and played because they either messed up at the, at the other school or the grades or, or something happened where they had, they had to leave and they came to East Carolina. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and I think that's one thing that, I mean, Coach Houston has changed from prior regimes of trying to expand that that uh, pool of, of recruits that he's looking at. Now, I want to I ask you, so you, you were drafted six by the Bengals. No, uh, Jets. No, six, six in the – oh, yeah, you're drafted in the sixth round, excuse me, by the Jets. Um, I don't know why I I had that you played for the Bengals for so long. That's why. Why? But uh, you're drafted by the Jets in the sixth round. What was that experience like? You know, that was a, a rough day because I was expecting to go higher, like the third, but it didn't happen. But all that did was just build that chip on my shoulder even bigger to prove everybody wrong that mm-hmm. that doubted the fact because they didn't even even talk about me much during draft day. So 
But when it happened, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. But I made sure that they were saying my name before I left. Before I left. Right. Right. And that's all that matters. All that matters. Now. It's a lot of guys, they announced their name on draft day and they were talking highly about them. Never heard from again. Yep. Never heard from them again. Yep. Now, one of the questions I like to ask all, all the alumni from ECU, especially the ones that went on and played in, played in at the pro level, is what did your experience at ECU, how did that prepare you for your time moving on to, to what was next in your life? Well, just, you know, one, I got my degree. So I actually, um, and which was in construction management, and so I'm actually a management partner of a construction company. So um, that definitely prepared me. And just, you know, um, the life skills that I learned in college, you know, learning how to be social, networking, learning, you know, how to get things done off off the field as well as on the football field. It definitely prepared me for my second career, second career in life. Gotcha. And that, and that kind of leads to my, my last question for you, Jeff. What What is Jeff Blake up to today? What is it that you are currently doing? Well, today? I am actually current the director of the new QB Academy at IMG down in Florida. So that's wow. why you see all these palm trees and stuff. Right. It looks, it looks very beautiful where you're at right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a vacation spot, honestly. Right. <laughs> but yeah, It's a very nice campus. Now, I've only got a couple more questions, Jeff, and then we'll let you get back to work and, and doing what you do. But – uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask, jumping back to, I mean, that, that Peach Bowl was such a integral part of ECU football history, right? What was your thoughts when you saw Luke Fisher in the end zone raising his arms up, laying on his back? What, what were your thoughts at that time? Uh, he caught the ball and scored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he caught the ball and scored. You know, that was my thoughts. You know, hey, great job. We up now, so let's see what they do. Defense hold. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't. Uh, I mean, I don't really go in. I'm not. I don't really go in depth in things like that. I don't. I don't analyze stuff. I just do it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and yeah. just go out there and ball. Okay. That, yeah. that that works. I mean, that that's what makes a that's what makes a good QB. That's what makes a good football player. But our last question: Have you been to Sup Dogs? No. No. Okay. So we're gonna have to get you in town next time you're in town. We're gonna have to get you. We'll we'll take you out to to dinner at, at Sup Dogs. Have you heard of it? It's a, it's a nice. I'm gonna, little, hold, I'm gonna hold you to that. I got you on Twitter, so I'm gonna hold you. To that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hit hit it me up. Happen. It will happen. Hit hit me up next time you're in. We'll we'll uh we'll make the little drive down to Greenville. We'll take okay. you out. Um, and we'll have a nice we'll have a nice uh round of food and maybe some drinks and we'll uh we'll be able to talk about this question next time. We usually ask. What your sup dog's order is, but we'll we'll have to wait on that one, okay? Okay, well I, I'm gonna catch you guys next time. I got to run, okay? All right, thanks, Jeff. All right, Jeff uh, appreciate your time. All right. Once again, that was our interview with Mr. Jeff Blake, ECU great, ECU legend, ECU football legend, Peach Bowl champion, fourteen year fourteen year uh, NFL career, Pro Bowl caliber career. Artie, what was your take from from that interview? Great interview, great guy. Um, you know, the 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 win kind of kind of played in a, in a factor a little bit, but that was really the only thing that kind of threw off of, of a phenomenal interview. Um, you know, really really enjoyed sitting down with one of the one of the greats. I consider him to be on my Mount Rushmore of ECU uh, ECU Pirate football. You know, greats. So 
Um, anytime we can sit down with a, with a guy of his caliber and is to see what he's doing now, you know, as, as a quarterback's coach at IMG Academy. So he's still doing big things, still, you know, involved in football, trying to make an impact on these young kids' lives. So just a really good interview. It was. And he, he played some uh, – he played some – Good teams that year in, in 1990, in that 91 92 season. Mm-hmm. Um, and ECU ho- is hoping to get back to their winning ways like they did that year. I mean, they went 10 and 1 that season. Right. Now, hopefully, this year we can have a better year than we have had in the past five. And that all starts, I mean, starts with a game against App State and then another game uh, shortly after against the University of South Carolina, Artie. Um, South Carolina released, finally released their schedule, um, put, it in, put it in writing, basically said, here's what we're doing. And it says they're coming to Greenville. Uh, I know people have been saying that, oh, might, they might try to opt out, but they're not going to. They're, they're going to come into Greenville and, and have to play the Pirates on September 11th. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you excited for this game? I am. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, anytime South Carolina comes to town, I'm excited. Any, anytime you can play at SEC school, you should be excited. That's the premier football conference in the nation. I know South Carolina has fallen off in the last few years, but South Carolina does not stay bad for very long. They never do. They never will. They're not going to stay bad for very long. They're going to get it right. It's just, it's too many fanatics in Columbia for that football program to be bad for, for a long time. So very excited for South Carolina to come into town. Um, But it is a good opportunity for ECU because they're not that good. They're not going to be that good by next year. Um, so hopefully we can be able to put together a, a team that not only competes, but can, in, in, in the eyes of the nation, pull off an upset, even though South Carolina probably isn't going to be, they're probably going to finish at the bottom of the SEC, um, like they did this previous season. I agree. Now, Artie, did you see the, the piece from SB Nation? About, I did. You did? Now, SB Nation, uh, I, I don't even know what they're called. I think they're called the Garnet and Red something i don't know i'm garnet and red attack i don't know go go look at it we tweeted it out earlier this week i, I can mm-hmm. retweet it again um basically trashing this game saying usc why is why is usc scheduling a home and home game a home and home series with the pirates and he obviously doesn't know the history of ecu south carolina south carolina's become the greenville since the 90s correct I mean, yeah, before that. I yeah, mean, I don't, I don't understand what he's, what he's, what he's trying to my, convey here. My thing is, is this was a UNC guy. I mean, his, looking on his uh, profile on SB Nation, he says Tar Heel born and bred. So he, I mean, he's a UNC guy, right? I mean, he can't write for UNC, I guess. So he's writing for USC, mm. and he's trashing this game. Man, USC ain't shit. <laughs> they're, they're, what are they anymore? I mean, they're they're, they're going through and they have a new coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a, they've had a lot of guys leave. They're not the USC that had Jadavion Clowney or Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah, they're not they're not that USC anymore. Well, look, yeah, they 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 don't have the old ball coach coming out the tunnels anymore. Steve Spurrier is not coming out that tunnel to lead South Carolina on Saturday afternoons. So it's not going to be that team. And I understand that, you know, I, I just got through saying this. There, there's a lot of fanatics in Columbia. There's a lot of fanatics in Greenville. Um, and South Carolina is not going to be bad for a long time. They're not. But they're also not going to be that good this year. 
And so for him to come out and say that, you know, why are they scheduling this? Well, you know, ECU South Carolina have been playing, you know, for 30 years, if not more than, you know, longer than that. So this has been a tradition for a while now. This rivalry is, you know, is something that should stay intact. These are two schools, you know, one in North Carolina, one in South Carolina. Um, I don't understand his reasoning. You know, I, I, could, I could see if South Carolina was a perennial powerhouse and they were in the top five or top ten, and they're like, no, you guys got to come to us. We don't, we, don't, we don't feel the need to come to Greenville. Um, but they've come to Greenville when they were ranked, and they've lost. So I, I just don't understand what, what he's trying to convey here. Now, he did, he did call ECU. He said ECU is not really – I mean, the giant slayers that they have been in the past, but they still have that, they still have that name. They, they're still known as the giant killers. Now, USC isn't a giant. I mean, they're, they're more of a scrapper that's maybe a, a middleweight now, <laughs> especially, especially in the uh, SEC. I mean yeah. – they're they're basically like an ACC team right now. That's basically what they are. They're basically this equivalent of a pit. And that, no, that they they would they'd probably finish fourth in the ACC. There's a lot of ACC teams they're still better than. But I'm not a, so, I'm not a big believer in any ACC schools. To be honest with you. Outside of Clemson, yeah, no, and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that USC loves to be. Uh, told that they're not, you know, they're, but they're I'm, not I'm, anything I'm, I'm, related I'm sure, to Clemson. I'm sure Carolina's going to lose five games next year and be ranked in the top five. So it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, and that all comes from preseason rankings, and preseason rankings don't mean anything to me. I mean, I don't pay attention to them. Um, I know that a lot of people do, um, and we, we've talked about preseason rankings here recently on on the Boneyard podcast, talking about. Uh, baseball preseason, preseason rankings. And there have been, uh, I think, I'm pretty sure all of them have come out and every one of them have listed ECU in the top 25, except for one. There's one. <laughs> baseball America. They, they, they're the quote-unquote experts on all things baseball. And they leave ECU out of the top 25. This is, this is interesting. This is Baseball America, this is honestly a, a terrible take. How, how are you going to leave ECU out of the top 25? This is one of the most – this is going to be one of the most elite defenses in all of college baseball this mm-hmm. year. I mean, this this team is built to win. Yeah, you don't have Alec Burleson, but you've got a still a really damn good team. A team Cliff Godwin has said and has been on the record saying that he thinks this is the most talented team that ECU has ever had. And you don't have them in your top 25, but you put in a team – in Central Florida and say that they're the team to beat. Now, we, we had a question from uh, one, of, one of our fraternity brothers, Paul Glocker. Uh, he asked what, what our thoughts were on this. And I, you know what I think my thought is? This is a terrible take, Baseball America. Terrible. Dude, like, this, this is one of the worst college baseball takes I've seen in a long time. Well, I'm sure the players on the team – could really give a damn about Baseball America, to be honest with you. This is one poll out of like 50 polls that baseball has in the country. So I'm, I'm sure they really don't care. But if they do happen to care, um, it's probably going to a lot of fire under, the, uh, you know, under their behind. So to, to, yeah. to not have ECU in the top 25 when every other poll does have them in the top 25, they have been preseason favorites to win the American. It's like 
like a consensus preseason favorite to win the American Conference. Um, I don't know if it's a vendetta against Baseball America or what it is, but I, you know, Cliff Godwin and these guys know what they what they offer. They know how they're going to play. They know they know they're going to be one of the top twenty five teams in the country. They they know this. It's just about going out there and executing and playing ball. Um, so and, and and to be honest with you, I really don't think these players care. I I think that's something for the fan. I think that's something for the for the media to you know get all upset and excited about. These players don't care about that. They don't. You're right. You're right. And. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know how you can have that ranking after ECU has been the top dog in the American Athletic Conference for the past six years, ever since Cliff Godwin got here. Um, it, it's insane to me to think that a, another team can really dethrone them, mm-hmm. especially with all that's going on in the world right now. I, I just I don't see it. So, yeah, I mean – Baseball America, I don't, I don't know. They don't – we don't care about you. The players don't care about you. The fans don't care about you. Right. Your, your take is garbage. Um, we'll, we'll see it on the diamond here coming up. And ECU will – I mean, I, 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 barring any COVID issues or um, any issues with the uh, – with injuries, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't see Central Florida – taking the throne that ECU sits on in the American Athletic Conference. Right. And I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, and I I think that it's going to be – it's going to be hard for them. But, hey, I mean, I'm all for it. I'll put a a chip on our shoulders. That's what ECU lives by. And I I think that that will be um, something that Cliff Godwin says, look, guys, like these guys don't believe in you. And, and look, that's, that's, that is exactly what Cliff Godwin wants, right? To have a team that is this talented, but they're still underdogs, that's a recipe for success. So. Yeah. Book it. I mean, Baseball America, we'd be happy to have whoever wrote that trash piece on, uh, on the podcast. You, come on. We can debate it. <laughs> I, if anybody from Baseball America is listening, come on. We can have him and that dude from SB Nation on. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just have a knockdown drag out fight from uh exactly from, from us, and and we'll, we'll kind of put you in your place, like, and let you actually uh, sit here and talk to us about it. And yeah, I, I I don't know how you can do that, but Artie, there's a, there's a big game next week. Yes. Did you know that? Yeah, it's a little known game, you know. And it's got two quarterbacks that I don't I don't know if anybody's really heard of. But um, something called a Super Bowl. Not too sure if a lot of people watch it, but <laughs> yeah, the Super Bowl is next week, uh, February seventh. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be Kansas City versus Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that Gronk and and Brady were gonna be in a Super Bowl together in Tampa Bay, playing for the Buccaneers, right? I'd have said what? I'd have been like, you're out of, I would have been like, you're out of your damn mind. Shut up. But yeah, it's happening. It's happening. Artie, so uh what what let's talk about the storylines here. What what are your uh takes on the storylines um, go, going into this week? Well, look, it's it's Mahomes Brady. The last time we saw Mahomes Brady was for the AFC title and it was a classic. So I'm expecting nothing short of 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 this being a classic because it's for all the marbles, it's for a Lombardi trophy. Mahomes is going for his back to back. 
Uh, Brady is going for number seven. I'm going to say that again. Brady is going for number seven, which is more than any franchise has ever won in the history of the NFL. Brady could be by himself with Super Bowls more than any other franchise. It's just absurd. He won his first Super Bowl ring when I was six. I was six. And he went, like, it's just, it's, 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 it's crazy to think that he's still playing football at the level that he's playing at 43 years old. This dude's going to be a granddad in like six years. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's just, it's absurd to think about. But he's doing it, and he's doing it well. Um, I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. I am obviously, I'm going for Casey. I like Mahomes. I, I like the way that team plays. I like Andy Reid. I like the way they have fun with football. They go out there and they have fun. They're not trying to, you know, it's, it's not like the Patriots Bill Belichick system where it's just structure and it's just technical and it's robotic. Kansas City's going to go out there and have fun. And they're going to beat you having fun. And I, and I love seeing that kind of football. Um, but Brady's on the other side. And Brady's got six already. So if you're going to bet against Brady, you might be an idiot. But I'm, I'm expecting a classic. I'm, ex, I'm expecting a good game. I think Kansas City's going to win. If I had to, if I had to you know, make my pick right now, and this could change by the end of the week, but I, I got Kansas City. Um, I'm going to say 38-35. 38-35. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a lot of points. Okay, and the line is minus three. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that's right in, in there with the line. I think the spread, I think that's a little generous, um, the, the three-point spread. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that I think it's going to be uh, – I, I want to say it's going to be Kansas City – I think you're you're about right. I think it's Kansas City, let's say forty two. Okay. Then Tampa Bay probably I wanna I wanna say forty two thirty Kansas City wins. Okay, so you got them winning by twelve. You got them, you got them winning in a blowout pretty much. Yeah, but I, I think it's close for the most of the game and then And then they pull away at the end? Yeah. I, I think yeah. I think with about five minutes left, Kansas City put puts a nail in the coffin and, and okay. pulls away. Um, that, that would be my take. Um, but, you know, if Tom Brady – Tom Brady's been known to pull out these games, and he's shown it already this postseason. Yeah. Games that – I mean, you and I were on a call earlier this month or earlier in the playoffs, and we were both asked, who, who do y'all think is going to win or where do you think Tampa Bay will end up? I thought Tampa Bay was done two rounds ago. In the divisional series, I, th- I thought there was no way they'd beat New Orleans. Yeah, I, I thought they would lose to New Orleans, and I thought they would lose to Green Bay, and that and, didn't happen. And I'll, I'll say that with them, uh, with them getting this far, like Tom Brady can show it. And if he wins, if he wins his seventh Super Bowl, like you were saying, I mean, he'll he'll solidify himself as, as the number two quarterback in the NFC South. <laughs> I'm happy you did it, man. I'm happy you said that. <laughs> the, uh, the the great, the immaculate, the immortal Matt Ryan with zero Super Bowls to his name who already lost to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl <laughs> is greater than Tom Brady. I love it. I mean, I, 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 ri- I ride with who I ride with. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. It's like saying a McDonald's cheeseburger is better than a Ruth Chris steak. Yeah, I mean, I've never had a Ruth Chris steak, but. I can I mean, tell you it's better I than do- a McDonald's cheeseburger. I do like myself a McDonald's cheeseburger. <laughs> Shut up, <Jared>. Shut up. <laughs> oh man! So already, uh, we'll we'll start wrapping this thing up right now. Do you have a Do you have a walk the plank? 
I do have a lot to plank. It's, it's, it's something I thought about just recently. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and, and, and say what it is. It's, it's, it's something that's going on, and I guess in the next 30 minutes, they're having some sort of Pro Bowl celebration for the NFL. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't think it's a game. I don't know, I don't know if they're just going to well, yeah, be on pro, TV. The, the Pro Bowl game has been canceled. It's been canceled. So I don't, I don't even understand why they're having some sort of celebration. It's going to name guys off and just give them an award or something. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be. I've, all, I've never been a big fan of the Pro Bowl. It's always been a boring game to me. It's never been fun to watch. These guys don't try. They shouldn't try. It's, it's an exhibition game where it means nothing. It goes for nothing. It's just a vacation for them to go out to Hawaii. Um, I'm, didn't they move it? I thought they were moving it to, like, Florida. Okay, yeah, it was moved to Florida in the last, I think, the last couple of years. Either Orlando or Miami, one of those two. Yeah. Um, but either way, the Pro Bowl, is a, it's, it's a disaster. We need to get rid of it. It's not necessary. Just have your NFL Honors Awards. Um, you know, still ha- you still select guys to the Pro Bowl, you know, because they are Pro Bowl talented. But it's, it's just a waste. It's, it's a waste of space. I don't think we need it. People don't really watch it anymore because it's really not entertaining. Um, so if I had to have one walk and plank, it would be the entire Pro Bowl. Do away with it. Try to figure <laughs> out something else. Maybe do a skills challenge. I don't know. But it's not interesting. I don't care about it. Walk the plank Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is still more competitive than any NBA game I've ever watched. I knew you were going to say that. I knew that was going to come out your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that, that's a good one. So, mine is, Artie, have you been keeping up with all this crap that's going on with, like, Reddit and and these hedge funds? Yeah, yep. Especially, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, usually we keep we keep these things sports-related, right? We, mm-hmm. we try to our best. Um, so, I'm going to keep – I'm going to relate this back to sports, okay? So, if you don't know, basically, these hedge funds have been trying to uh, strong-arm the, the little guys into um, selling stocks that they rightfully bought and trying to shortchange them as much as they can um, and, and really try to screw these people over. And they're, they're doing it with brokerage firms that – uh, our, I mean, they got Robinhood involved, Webull, um, TD Ameritrade, all all the stock brokerage like apps that people are using to to trade, buy and trade stock. Mm-hmm. And it came out earlier this week that those companies like Robinhood were gonna shut down the buying and selling of GameStop and AMC and BlackBerry, and there, there's some others that that are in there. And what I found interesting was one of the hedge funds, they asked for like $15 billion, billion with a B, from the Mets owner, Steve Cohen. All right. This is the guy that Mets fans have been touting as their savior. He's going to help bring the championship to, uh, whatever part of New York city they're, they're in Queens, Queens, Flushing, whatever. All I can say is LOL Mets, LOL Mets. Look at search that in Twitter. And I guarantee you'll see a lot of people from years past trashing the Mets because this guy, Steve Cohen, not two weeks ago, not two weeks ago, fired their general manager rightfully for sending a, uh, uh, a bad picture of himself and his uh, nether regions. 
unsolicited to to a female reporter. He said, "I'm going to run this. Uh, I want to run this team on integrity." Well, Steve, you want to do that, and then you want to get mad when people call you out for giving billions to a hedge fund to try to screw over the little man, and now you're being looked into for like insider trading and manipulating the market by the SEC. Because that's exactly what he did, and that's what you did. That's what you did. You're the one that was has been trying to call the shots with Robin Hood and all this. You're the one that screwed yourself over. And you know what, Artie? <laughs> the Mets, they may play a game. They, they hired the, this guy, bought the team in the last year. They may play a game this year where they're under a new manager that never – so they, they hired a manager, then fired him before he managed the game. They hired a general manager and fired him before he ever was part of a game. Mm-hmm. And this owner may never actually get to own the team while the Mets play a game. Yeah. Mets, I'm sorry, y'all. Chop on nation. Hey, go Braves. The Mets are <laughs> LOL. I, I really, I really hope John money. doesn't uh I really hope John doesn't listen to this episode because you know he's a diehard Mets fan. So yeah, well, his, his organization is going through it. Mets fans are just Mets fans because there's too many too many people already on the Yankees bandwagon. Well, look, I'll, I'll give it to he, John is from Queens, so he has every right to be a Mets fan. Yeah, I mean, be a Mets fan. You're not going to have fun. <laughs> uh, you, have to be, you have to be a true masochist to be a Mets fan. And that Steve Cohen, New York Mets, uh, Melvin Hedge Fund, Citadel Hedge Fund Group, whatever y'all are called, Y'all walk the damn plank because the little man is here and, and they're, they're playing your game and you're mad that they're playing by your rules and beating you at your game. All right? Walk the damn plank. That's all I got to say about the matter. I wish I would have bought some GameStop stock about two weeks ago. I would have already had these uh, loans paid off. Paid off, payment, exactly. And a down payment on the house. But, yeah, uh, Mets fans, I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all are lumped into all this, and y'all, your your owner's on the wrong side after y'all touted him as, like I said, the savior of New York Mets. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 sorry, y'all, but walk the damn plank. Um, Artie, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think we had a good episode today. Had a great interview. Um, I really don't have any final thoughts. To be honest with you, I've said okay. everything I needed to say. I don't either. We, we've been going for about an hour now, and um, I think that we'll have a, a good episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please, please, please go go out there and leave a review on Spotify or on Apple, on Spotify. Um, that, that's what we need from, from you, our listeners. Um, send, us a, send us a screenshot. Um, do this we we really want to um see that what y'all are saying and what y'all think of our podcast um it it really helps us out to know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong Mm -hmm. um, so that we can make this thing better make sure you're following us on all our social media channels facebook instagram twitter at boneyard podcast um that that's where you can find us you can find me at jared underscore shaffit Artie, you can drop yours at Don Artemis, Don underscore Artemis. That's where you can find me at. So, yeah, do that. Follow us for all of your ECU uh, news and 
and all that. We, we're going to have some more cool things coming down the pipeline here in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're, we're working on a ECU baseball preview mm-hmm. episode. I, I know we've already got two interviews lined up for that. Um, it, it, we're, and then we're also going to work on another interview. But already we're, we're getting in. We're closing in on our year anniversary yeah, of doing this podcast. Yeah, it's coming are. very quickly. It's coming quick. So we got we to have an excellent uh, anniversary episode. To be honest with you, yeah, I was talking. I was talking about that yesterday with my wife and Savannah, and she was like, "Do you have any plans?" And I was like, "I've got an idea, but we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to work for it." So yeah, um, stay on the lookout for that, um, I, guys. I, I'm excited to be on this uh, road with y'all as ECU fans as we continue to. Um, share our passion for ECU with you and you share your passion for ECU with us. Um, tell your friends, tell your family, say, Hey, go listen to these guys. These guys know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, do all that. And, and we'll love you. And also power nation, wash your hands, wash your butts. We still got a pandemic going on. And I personally would like to go back to some live concerts at some time in the next year. Cause I miss going to live concerts. I miss going to the movie theater. I miss doing all that other stuff. So wash your hands, wash your butt. We love you, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, use a different wash rag form, though. (laughs) On that note, Pirate Nation, uh, we'll leave you with this. We love you. Stay safe. Peace out, Pirate Nation. Deuce.